Robert England here, a.k.a. Freddy Krueger, and you should be listening to Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Don't go out there. Don't answer the door. Don't go near Elm Street. Don't look out the window. That's what Wes Craven did. And you know who he saw? Freddy Krueger. Check out Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back everybody to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all of our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Before we get into tonight's film, I just want to give a quick shout out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. My man Brian has done a fantastic job with the website. He's got it looking great. Everything about our podcast is on there. All of our episodes and interviews from episode one to our weekly release. If you want to check out all of our episodes there, maybe you have an office job, don't have access to your phone, you can listen on your desktop computer. We've done some incredible interviews in the past with some of the biggest names in horror, uh, some of your favorite slashers, uh, writers, directors. Check out our interviews if you haven't heard those yet. We got our store. We got some new T-shirts. Uh, Brian and Dustin have done some fantastic designs if you want to check those out. And we also have Shan's Etsy page attached as well if you want to grab a Tumblr. And we also have our social media, fa- uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, we love interacting with our fans. We love you know meeting new people. We love answering your comments and questions on the air. So definitely check us out on social media. And the last thing I want to shout out is our patreon we call it blood donors we have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind you're a big fan of our podcast a big fan of our show you want to help support us that option is available and we also have one-time donations if you want to donate and you know have if you have a film review you want us to do that option is available as well let's get into tonight's film review uh tonight is uh brother mike's pick uh mike go ahead and announce your pick and why you picked it yeah man so first of all i'm glad we did a freelance month glad we got started with a good one last week uh Look, I wanted to go back to the logo. We haven't in a while, you know, and like I said on last week's show, we're trying to save uh, Michael and Jason for their specific holidays, which makes sense to me. Great job, Brian, on the idea, because I'll just run through Halloween. I don't give a shit. You know, if you leave me to my own biases, that's my next six picks. But we're not doing that, and that's probably really smart. Um, And I kind of think we are, at least in my opinion, we've done all the Freddy movies that I consider to be genuinely good so i really had to kind of settle on one that i think is just eh, okay and that's what we have here this movie is polarizing for a lot and by the way the pick is a nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge from 1985 which is a very not controversial movie i think it's a very polarizing movie there's a lot of you either love this movie or you hate this movie except for me apparently because i'm pretty much in the middle here i think it's okay Obviously, this movie's polarizing for a lot of reasons. The infamous, not-so-subtle subtext of, you know, being a gay teenager and all that stuff. There's a whole documentary that covers that better than I could, so I'm not really going to get into that. I didn't pick this movie because we're in the month of June, which is Pride. But it definitely worked out that way. Look, Freddy is still scary in this movie. And I think that's a big plus for this movie, you know, in the positive direction. Like, 
this is before Nightmare 4, where all we're doing is cracking one-liners. This is still genuinely scary, or scary Freddy. almost said spaghetti. Um, <laughs> this is genuinely creepy, scary Freddy Krueger. They keep him in the shadows. I love the way they shoot Freddy in this film. If there's one big positive to take away is that Robert England is fantastic in this movie as Freddy. He still has the occasional one-liner that's kind of funny, but he's so scary and so creepy and over the top. I just love it. However, I think this movie has a lot of bad side characters, man. I don't. The plot really doesn't move me that much. I think a lot of the acting is poor, which I normally try not to criticize. But I just think there's a lot of average to below averages performances. Um, and the biggest negative to me, and I have this covered in my ending, but I'm going to cover it now as well. It, it It's in the middle of a classic and a movie that I consider to be a classic. So it's smack dab in the middle of two really good slasher movies to me. And this one just kind of feels like such a departure from those two films. So I'm excited to talk about it. The reason I picked it is because we needed to do a Freddy movie, and this is next in line for me and the ones we haven't covered. Somehow we did the remake before this. I'll never understand why. That's my fault. My All the way my fault, everybody. I mean, you, I was about to say, I mean, you picked it. I know, I know, I did, I did. Well, we were doing remake but, but months it was remake, re- yeah, uh, reboot months, so. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So it's, all, it's all good. I'll go next. Like Mike said, it's a polarizing movie. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this one personally. I don't know the cheesy, hokey stuff that's involved with it. Like, I don't like the bird exploding, the toaster bullshit, uh, the dogs at the end with the weird faces in the old factory. Like, I don't know. It's like Mike said, it's sandwiched in between like two really good Freddy movies, and this one just doesn't work for me. I don't like Freddy's look either. I mentioned that in our rankings episode. And I know what I Kevin as Kevin Yeager, he was the uh the costume designer, the special effects guy. He went in for he went more for like a witchy look, demon look, and I'm just not a big fan of it. I like the more just burnt traditional look like the first one. Uh so yeah, this one just doesn't really do it for me. It's easily kind of skippable. I like one in Dream Warriors, watch those back to back. Wes Craven, you know, he's he's the man. He did those movies. And, you know, Robert England himself said this one is his least favorite, according to IMDb Trivia. If he don't like it, I don't really see why I should like it. So, uh, Brian, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I I actually really like this movie. Uh, it's been so long since we've ranked the Nightmare movies. But, I mean, I think it ranks either tied for third or, or right at number four for me in the franchise. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it gets a bad rap. I, I think it's really underappreciated, in my opinion. You know, yes, there's 100% nonsensical things that don't make sense based on the rules of Freddy that we've you know established in the first one. But you know what? Maybe we should have continued with some of these rules that that you know that this one establishes. You know, in some of the sequels, because I think there's a ton of good here. Freddy is is right there with one and, and New Nightmare is my favorite rendition of Freddy of the series. I think Mark Patton as Jesse is, is great as the series only you know final guy. Um, I think the the friend group is good. Now, yeah, it has some bad moments, and in one scene, I think they fucked up badly. But in a series where where movies, where all the movies don't really, how do I say this? In a series that doesn't live up to its bad guy as a whole, in my opinion, you know, Freddy's a great character and definitely got shafted with some of the films. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I love this rendition of Freddy, and uh, I think they got him right. And and we can talk more about that, you know. But uh, you know, we've said time and time again that. Uh, like Mike mentioned, Jokey Freddy just isn't good, and I like this one. 
Hey, so really quick, I should piggyback off of what you said, which I normally hate that expression, but that's all I had at the time. Um, I agree with you. Mark Patton and Jesse is actually really good. I have no problem with with Mark's performance as the final guy. I think it works. I am like I think that idea of having a final guy works really, really, really and they do a good job of it here. It's the story I think where my issue goes. Like I and and honestly, Brian, it's probably not fair just because this really is like all the way 80s movie slasher cheese, like in a way, outside of Freddy. If you remove Freddy and you put Bill the Slasher in here, it'd be just another standard 80s cheesy slasher. But because it has Freddy, I think it brings it up a notch. And I have no problem with 80s cheese, unlike some of our co-hosts. <clears throat> anyway, look, I'm looking directly at Nico, and he doesn't didn't even know I'm calling him out, Pat. I don't, I don't hate 80s cheese. <laughs> I'm just saying, in the whole realm of Nightmare on Elm Street, like the right. bird blowing up, I just no, I agree poster lighting on fire. Like it. Yeah, that's like that. it's just yeah. it's like it's, but, this is an hour and twenty minute movie, and it's like Jesus, can we just get through this? I know it does feel longer than it needs to. <laughs> Paul, well, and go ahead, let Brian. me <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> let me say this that I fucking do not like this choice. But how do you not use Charles Bernstein's nightmare theme in this movie? Yeah, I mean. That's you know, no, big problem. Big problem. No offense. Actually, you know what? I don't give a shit. Christopher Young did the grudge, this, and, and he did Sinister. I mean, so he's doing just fine. But you know, this is Charles Bernstein's house. Like, this is his territory. Uh, I missed it. Oh yeah. Enough, I mean, man. but I mean, they were trying to move away from everything from the original. I mean, <laughs> they didn't. They, yeah, didn't and- they didn't want to bring Wes or Wes Craven didn't want to come back for this story. They didn't want to bring back Robert because they were cheap. But then they realized that was a mistake. They didn't bring the music back. Right. I don't know. I feel like they just kind of winged it and it, Heather. it just well, didn't work for me. Right. And, and again, when we go back to what our logo is, you know, the Halloween franchise goes right back to that night, you know, right back to the same night in the sequel. And whether you like that choice or not, that's the choice they made. Friday the 13th is literally the same movie in part two as it is in part one. One's just an adult Jason. The other was his mom. Like the very, they're very similar. And when you go to Nightmare on Elm Street, this is such a departure. From the first film to me, like I don't hardly think there's any similarities outside of Scary Freddy, like I like and the fact that they live in Nancy's house, which doesn't look like Nancy's house to me. I know it's but like it kind of does and it kind of doesn't. Like there's, I don't know, but they go so far away, and I I think with the benefit of hindsight, it's a little unfair because they go back to the same formula from one a little bit in Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. So like this is such a just an oddball follow up to a classic. I think that's why. I, you know, even dude, even even Child's Play, Child's Play Two is almost the same damn movie as Child's Play One. So uh, again, we have a lot of that in our horror franchises, and this was very unique in the sense that that's not the case. All right, guys, any more opening thoughts? We just jump into the scene by scene. All right, let's do it. The film starts with opening credits and title card. We see a school bus driving down a neighborhood, dropping kids off. The bus starts to drive again as we see socially awkward Jesse in the back as more kids are dropped off. It's just Jesse and two schoolgirls on the bus, and they laugh at him, then yell to the bus driver they pass their stop. The bus is speeding now, and suddenly they're driving through a desert. We see Freddy Krueger is the driver now, and the kids are terrified. The ground beneath the bus caves into the earth, and we see the bus propped on like two spike pieces looking at pieces of land. Freddy stands up, and the bus begins to rock back and forth as the kids move to the back. Freddy slashes at them, and we see Miss Walsh cutting a tomato, and we hear Jesse scream. She tells his little sister he was having a bad dream. 
Jesse gets out of bed sweaty as fuck in his unpacked bedroom. Jesse is yelled at by his dad. He wants his room cleaned up. No more promises. Miss Walsh asks if he's okay. He says it's real hot and can't sleep well. Dad says it just needs Freon. Because dad's always know how to fix everything. Jesse is scared when he sees his sister with long fingernails. Lisa rings the doorbell and she and Jesse head to school in his piece of junk car. We're on the baseball field now and Grady is up to bat. Jesse catches a baseball to the head when he's distracted staring at Lisa. Coach asks if he's okay and says to pay attention next time. Jesse tags Grady out and the two begin to wrestle. Coach breaks it up and makes him assume the position. They're doing planks now as punishment. Uh, Grady tells Jesse Coach gets off punishing them. He goes to S&M bars and is attracted to guys like Jesse. He asks if he's having sex with Lisa. The two have no beef with each other, though. They're in the locker room now, and Grady tells Jesse about the history of the Elm Street house. Jesse doesn't believe him. Back home now, and Jesse can't sleep. He goes downstairs to the fridge, and a drink falls on the floor, making a mess. He looks out the window, seeing something, and heads outside. He sees Freddy reaching into a furnace and immediately walks away. He goes back inside the house and locks and looks into the basement. He sees a shadow walk past and he yells for dad. The door is pulled open and Jesse runs into Freddy. He grabs Jesse and says he, he needs him. We got special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body, I've got the brain as he pulls his scalp off. Jesse screams and Freddy laughs. Jesse wakes up in a fright as his parents check on him. He says he's fine, just a bad dream. Back in school, Jesse is nodding off as a heart is put on the teacher's desk. Grady laughs at him sleeping as we see a snake crawl on his shoulder and constrict him. Jesse screams and the professor takes the snake from him, humiliating him. Jesse shoots a bird at Grady as they laugh it off. Lisa is in the pool and her mom says Jesse is calling for her. Jesse tries to leave the house, but his dad says he has to stay and unpack his room. Jesse turns on music, puts on shades, and starts to unpack. He starts to dance, pelvic thrusting, as his mom and Lisa walk in. Mom leaves him and... and <laughs> this scene is funny. Mom leaves him and Lisa alone. Awkward conversation until she offers to help him clean up. Lisa finds a diary. It's from Nancy Thompson. She reads a passage about Nancy gawking over Glenn. Jesse reads from March 15th about her nightmares with Freddy. He grows concerned and says his name is Fred with the steel claws. Jesse is visibly scared and he tells her about Grady and what he said about the girl who lived here. Jesse gets up and he turns and he turns on his melted lamp. He says his home room is melting. He exits his room and goes into the basement. He looks into he looks in the furnace and finds a razor finger glove. The fire turns on and Freddy appears laughing. He tells him to try it on for size and he throws it on the ground. Freddy tells him to kill for me. Jesse runs off and trips and the glove is right beside him. All right, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes I got. What'd you think? Um, okay, so credit Sinister Cinema for pointing this out, but Jesse's completely different in this opening scene, and it's actually pretty damn smart. He looks more nerdy and more pale and, and quiet, but it makes sense if this is a dream and maybe this is how Jesse sees himself. And I never thought about that before. It's pretty cool. Um, shout out to Robert England playing the uh, bus driver here. I wouldn't really, I guess, say it was even a cameo since it's Freddie driving eventually anyway, right? But, hey, I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before. Don't go out there.com. Check out our interview because we, uh, we did an interview with the man, the myth legend himself. But, again, I, I really like the character of Jesse. He's not your typical final you know, girl, I guess, that you get. As a matter of fact, Mark Patton likes to take credit for being the first final guy in the Never Sleep Again documentary, I think. Um, but even if, if you if you do usually get a final guy, it's usually the Grady type. And I, I think Mark Patton kills it. Um, Patton looks like Michael O'Keefe in Caddyshack in this movie to me as well. Also, uh, 
Shout out to Jesse for using those two girls in the opening as a human shield against Freddy. <laughs> uh, the effects are pretty damn good in this movie, but the lightning scene and the miniature bus teetering on the cliffs isn't one of those times. I think it looks child play in Hellraiser too bad. What's not bad, though, are the fucking amazing effects when Freddy says, you've got the body, I've got the brain. A uh, line written by Robert Shea, by the way. But, man, then Freddy peels back his head. Nico mentioned him, but Kevin Yeager was in charge of Freddy's effects, and goddamn, it is beautiful. Uh, but I'm jumping ahead, kind of back to the start. Um, not real sure why we get Jesse literally adjusting his cock and balls when he wakes up. I mean, realistic, sure. But did we need it? I don't know. Maybe some people did. I don't know. I do appreciate the realism, though. Um, but speaking of, speaking of Grady, man, he's fantastic in this movie, I think. He gives me Jesus Garcia vibes from Nightmare 1. Oh, hey, by the way, did an interview with him. Don't go there.com. But Robert Rustler has been uh, around a long time in the business. He was fantastic in Weird Science, which also came out in 85. So I'm not sure which came out first, but Rustler definitely had a hell of a 1985. Uh, fun fact, he auditioned for the role of Grady uh, on the last day of shooting of Weird Science. And Robert Downey Jr. himself drove him to the audition. So fun little fact there. A few other things I noticed in the first set of scenes. On this rewatch, I swear I said to myself, Kim Myers looks like a young Meryl Streep. And then I was going to write that down and said, nah, that's dumb. People won't agree with that. Then I go to research it and see that IMDb says that Kim Myers was cast because of her resemblance to Meryl Streep. And I said, well, fuck me then. So here we are. Um, why are we super rich and yet having to hitch a ride ahead of it, you know, uh, in the uh, ahead of its time, keyless push button start deadly dinosaur? I don't know. Maybe she just likes the dude, um, which is kind of another thing. Their relationship seems forced throughout this movie. Um, I think that's fixed if you just had like had them dating right off the bat, you know, had them like super close already. And I think that fixes a lot of issues um, with 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 a whole thing throughout like I that I had. Um, you mentioned, not Mike, that the, the house looked a little bit different. Red door to 1428 Elm here um, that had a blue door in the first one. Um, it's read the rest of the series, except when Craven goes back in New Nightmare and gives a blue door again. Just this little tidbit there, but. Uh, if the school looks familiar, it's the same one they use in the Karate Kid. And speaking of, school should be still be like this. I mean, dude taking a softball to the face, Grady just getting, you know, just, he's just taking a standing double, by the way, gym teacher, telling him to fucking pay attention next time. Uh, Grady getting in a pickle for no reason at all when it's hit literally right in front of him. No suspension for fighting, just planks until you nearly die. Um, snakes apparently just crawling on students. That's good shit right there. Bring that back. Lastly, the dancing scene. I think it's funny. That shit was such an 80s trope. Risky business. Violet and Friday Five. Breakfast Club. Saved by the Bell. Um, I think it's I don't know, I think it's fucking great. All right. So <laughs> the first thing I have to know, and again, I try not to critique acting in a film, but the acting on the bus here is horrendous, man. Like, I, I, it, it really takes me out of what I think is a fun open. Like, I think it's a fun scene. Freddie driving the bus, I think, is a really good way to kind of kick off this movie again genuine genuine departure from the first movie here with, with this scene because it, it's a little over the top of like i said a little 80s cheese but i like parts of it i think the ground opening up all the way with the little bus still on with like stilts stilts is what it looks like i think it's like really bad effects but it's hilarious to me so i enjoy it for that i will say freddie just looks terrifying in this movie like he, he he looks terrifying in the first one, and he's really, really close to the same kind of makeup here. So I think it looks really good. It hadn't gone that full 
bubble gum, you know, that chewed bubble gum look that we get later on in the series. This still looks like a man with burnt skin, and it's genuinely scary. I love the way they use red lighting in this film. I think it works perfect. Um, I just want to say starting out here with <laughs> with our man Jesse, thank God we outlawed Toddy Whitey's. At least I hope so. So if one of my co-hosts are wearing Toddy Whitey's right now, shame on you. I think that's ridiculous. Let's 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 get out of 1985 here. Um, <laughs> Fu Man Fu is a really clever ass name for a cereal. Like that is an awesome name. I forgot that this was in here. I I, I wish that was a real cereal. I do like that the fact that it's 1985. So of course the guys play baseball, softball, and the girls are doing archery, PE. Can't can't have them, you know, playing the same sport or playing sports together. Got to be doing different stuff. I find that a little uh, a little dated. Look, I will say he got hit in the face. His coach was right though. Pay the fuck attention. Ball's coming your way. Stop daydreaming there in the field and catch the fucking ball. Put your hands up. That's what you're you're supposed to be there playing a the sport. My favorite part: smoking in the classroom. These teachers in 1995, zero fucks given. Just out here, lighting a marble red, smoking that pack. Uh, God, it just wouldn't go over today, even in a movie, I don't think. So I think it's hilarious that we get it here. But I, you know what I say? Let's go. Bring back freedom of choice. Smoke in the classroom if you got them. Just kidding. Don't, don't do that. Um, now, I don't like this introduction of Freddy all that much. It's just not, it's just not near as, it's not near as scary as the first one that we get. Like, you got to think the open of the first one is iconic. The way we get the gloves across the pipe, the music, and you don't have any of that here. It, it, it's not my favorite introduction of Freddy. I like the fact that the, you got the body, I got the break. Like, that scene's great. Love the effects in that where he rips it off. Like, I, I think that's awesome. But, you know, it's just not my favorite way to do it. I do like the fact that the biology teacher just whips out a heart on the table. That's uh, incredible. I wish... My science teacher had done that back in the day. It would have freaked people out. I will say, if you put a snake on me while I fall asleep in class, I'm not taking it like Jesse did. I'm whipping your ass. I can tell you that right now. We are fighting in the middle of biology lab. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> look, this, and I will say, I don't like the falling asleep scenes in this movie as much as I do, again, the first one, especially in the classroom. Like, I hate to keep comparing it, but you have no choice when it comes after on its own, it's fine, but when compared, it's just not. This dance scene is freaking cringe, man. It's hilarious. It's hilarious, especially the little backup scoot butt to the drawer. I don't know what he thought he was doing with that one. That was a move, man. Uh, whoever let him cook needs to get him off the grill because my man Jesse can't cook. Uh, now, also, if a girl walked in on a 17-year-old guy, especially not 75, doing this, it'd be the social death of them. I mean, let's be honest here. That, that, that would not have gone over well. Mom, uh, uh, you know, a little knock on the door would have been a help, I think, at least kind of give me some kind of warning. But, okay, thanks. One thing I don't like, and, I, you know, I'm okay with Nancy's diary being in the movie, but it just so happened to be in the closet still. Like, the, whoever renovated the house to, you know, kind of make it presentable to buy, didn't clean everything out. They just happened to have Nancy's diary there. I thought that was a little bit – it's a little bit of a nitpick, but I don't like it. Um, and, again – I like this scene. We get a little exposition dump, which I think, you know, I, I need characters to acknowledge the fact that stuff's happening in this house and, and not just kind of forget about it. So I like the exposition dump there. And last thing, they keep Freddie in the shadows in this movie so much in the dark, the way they use lighting to kind of protect them, still make them look scary. I think it's done really, really well, especially 
at the end of this set of scenes. Jesse, Jesse is telling Lisa about his dreams as he tries to explain it away. She asks for the diary as her friend Carrie asks about boys at her party. She gives him a kiss on the cheek and heads to class. Grady and Jesse are in the locker room now, and Coach overhears them shit-talking him. He has them doing planks again. Miss Walsh covers the birdcage and complains of how hot it is. He checks the thermostat and it's 97 degrees inside. The birdcage begins to shake and Jesse uncovers it. One of the birds falls dead and the other attacks the family with drive-by clawings. Suddenly, the bird bursts into flames. Dad and Mom are arguing and Jesse says it's not a leaky gas pipe. He accuses Jesse of setting it up and Jesse storms away. Jesse can't sleep again and heads downstairs. He looks out the window and we see lightning and it strikes the dishes in the kitchen. Jesse walks in the rain and heads to Don's place. Jesse is at the bar and asks for a beer. Coach grabs his hand and we're in the gym now as Jesse runs laps. Jesse takes a shower and Coach hears a noise and goes to investigate. He sees the tennis rackets begin to tear and balls falling off the shelf. The cabinets begin to shake. Basketballs and workout gear launch at the coach and he crawls to lock the cabinet up. Jump ropes wrap around his hands and he's drugged into the showers. He's pulled up and stripped naked and he has his ass spanked by towels as the showers fill with steam. Freddie walks into the shower and slashes his back as we see blood come from the shower heads. Jesse reveals he has the claw he has the claw on and screams. The Walshes answer the door. Cops brought Jesse home. He was wandering the streets naked. Dad asks him what's he taking. He says he's not taking drugs. Mom takes him to bed. Dad is working on the windows as Jesse storms off from Mom, who wanted to talk about what's going on. She says he needs professional help. Dad says he needs a good goddamn kick in the, in the butt as he almost falls off the ladder. Jesse and Lisa make it to school as they run up on emergency cars. Grady says Coach got killed in the shower. Jesse is sweating in bed again, and he hears a noise in the desk. It's a Freddy glove, and Freddy says, kill for me. Jesse exits his room and looks into a room where he sees Angie jump roping, singing the Freddy song. Jesse walks into the kitchen for breakfast and makes coffee. He asks why it took so long to sell this house. He asks about the history of the house and across the street. Nancy lost her mind, and her mom killed herself in the living room. A fire comes from the toaster now. It's the craziest damn thing I've seen. It wasn't even plugged in. Lisa tells Jesse he can't blame himself for what happened to Coach. He only dreamed it. The two make it to an old power plant where Fred Krueger used to work. Lisa did some research on him, and they checked the place out. It's been closed down a long time. Fred kidnapped 20 kids and brought them here and killed them. She asks if he can feel anything or make a connection to the place. She tells him to concentrate. Jesse walks to an old steel cabinet and opens it. Just a mouse. The fire in the furnace turns on, and we see a POV shot walk up the basement steps and into the house up the stairs. It walks into Angie's room. Freddie says, wake up, little girl. We see it's just Jesse as she asks what time it is. He said he sees he has the glove on. Jesse is taking the meds to stay up. Next morning, Mom asks if he slept okay and says he's looking better. Lisa asks Jesse about his nightmare. He says he might agree with his mom that he's crazy. Grady asks Jesse if he wants to hang out as the girls join them for lunch. Grady is grounded for throwing his grandma down the steps. Lisa is very concerned about Jesse, and Grady storms away after calling him a basket case. All right, Brian, this next set of scenes we got, what do you think? Um, I didn't say in the last set of scenes, but uh, Sydney Walsh as Carrie <clears throat> recognized her immediately from Point Break. Again, this whole friend group I really like. Uh, I just wish it didn't make it seem like it was all formed like during this movie. Um, you know, they have good chemistry, but honestly, Carrie and Lisa are the only ones that seem like they were friends before 24 hours ago. Is also, you know, and, and why are Jesse and Grady running in? in are, why are they in trouble again? Like, are we to assume they, they're still in trouble for the day before? You know, I don't know. It was, very confusing set of scenes, this one. 
because now we lead into the parakeet explosion bit, which like this is kind of what I was talking about in my open with stuff in this one, breaking the nightmare rules. It's almost like it's almost like an Amityville horror type thing with this stuff happening around the house. Um, hot take, but I don't mind the route this movie takes with that whole possession aspect being part of Freddy's repertoire. Uh, I, I mean, we've established he can come into the real world and be killed in the first one. I mean, he's he's somehow back anyway. Why not, as he grows stronger, be able to manipulate things around him? I mean, he's a dream demon anyway, right? Some of these aspects, like I said, I, I wish they would have carried along with them throughout. Now, fuck this dad. I, I wish he would have died. Uh, fix the goddamn air conditioner. It makes me sweat just watching these scenes. And, you know, it seems fucking miserable in there. Not to mention he looks like he's 65 years old with young kids. So either he's Al Pacino. That joke will definitely date the show. Uh, or it's just, you know, where, where every parent in the 80s looked like at least 40 years older than they actually were. Uh, were the Reagan years that bad? Jeesh. Has the gall to blame uh, Jesse for it. I mean, just, I don't know. Fuck this cat, man. A uh, little fun fact, though. Special effects man Rick Lazzarino uh, created what they named a demonic parakeet puppet for this scene in which the, the Walsh pet bird flies around and explodes. His, his puppet was not used because the filmmakers wanted a regular looking bird. I say just blow up a real bird. It's the 80s. It's Wild Wild West out there. You can just blow up real birds, right? Now, this is the weirdest part of the movie, and a scene I thought was just fucking absolutely stupid. All of this shit with Jesse and the gay nightclub and the coach taking him to school and then dying, all of this is fine if it's a dream. But for it not to be, it's the weirdest fucking decision. Like, what a, what a terrible decision by the writers here. Like, what the fuck? Like, so the lightning strike in the kitchen window, like, it, it struck in real life? What? He got he got up, walked in the pouring rain to a gay bar, and then followed the coach to the school alone, ran laps, then took a shower as if it's not pouring rain outside. For what is my least favorite kill, by the way, with the gym coach? And who says Freddie isn't funny in this one? I mean, he gave the dude a few ass slaps with the towel before a few cuts on his back that definitely wouldn't have killed him. It's just awful all the way around. If it's not a dream, it makes no sense for it to not be a dream. I mean, if it's if he's being possessed and made to do these things, uh, it, it sure as hell didn't seem like it. So especially in this set of scenes, it's terrible execution all the way around. And my least favorite set of scenes in the movie because of it. The last thing this jump rope scene reminds me, though, that uh, his sister is Christy Clark from Children in the Corn, too. Um, otherwise, I don't like this group of scenes. I think it's, it's, you know, the trip to the factory was a scene that could have been cut to just a group of bad choices from Jack Shoulder, in my opinion. Yeah, so I know the house is really hot because of Freddy and all the you know stuff he's doing down there in the quote-unquote boiler room. But my man, this dad fucking sucks. Like, first of all, if you're not going to fix the air, fucking call someone, you tight, cheap bastard. Fucking get someone to come in there and fix the air. 97 is crossing the goddamn line, everybody. Now, I mean, that's like sauna shit. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, unlike you guys... I've kind of always liked this bird exploding scene um, because it's so over the top and because it's so ridiculous. Like it kind of makes sense. And I like the fact that the, you know, the dad and the mom even are trying to like chalk it up to like a gas leak and all this other stuff. Like I think it's at least somewhat interesting. Now, again, it's a little hokey, a little over the top. It feels like I'm watching Poltergeist instead of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So I understand the criticism, but it, you know, it's always been kind of fun. So um, I mean, we've already had a dance scene, you know, we've had, you know, scratching dick and balls, we've had tidy white, so, we'll, you know, the shark has been jumped, so why not, uh, you know, a scene right out of the birds, I don't care. Um, again, I said the horror movie dads are just the worst a lot of the time, man, especially in the 80s, like, 
just just a bunch of as a collection a bunch of assholes and that's not very cool of these movies on on Father's Day which we're recording I can tell you what year because I don't want to date the show but happy Father's Day to Brian and Nico anyway uh here's my thing about what I agree with you Brian and I don't I I think they blur the lines I know it's not a dream but it feels like one when you're watching it and they never specify if it was what and I know the coach ends up dead, and that's fine. But they never come out specifically say, you walk to this game. Like, yes, he did. He clearly well, did. But, like, while you're watching it is what I mean. After the fact, you know, they kind of get away from it. But while you're watching I'm like, well, what am I watching? Did he fall asleep? Is that why he's walking into yeah. this gay bar? So when people say this movie has subtext of, you know, being gay, there's this is not subtext. This is a gay bar where this coach clearly likes underage boys. I mean, they make that pretty clear in the opening set of scenes uh, about how, you know, weird the coach is. So, first of all, I'm glad the coach dies. I think that's fine. I don't mind the kill as much as you do. What I will say is I find it super ironic that Freddy Krueger is killing a pedophile himself. Uh, Okay, sure, man. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, I know that Freddy's is more in the subtext unless you're doing the remake. But anyway, look, this – I don't love the scene either. Brian, but it is an iconic scene, this whips and chains and the coach, you know, in his death and the showers. And, I mean, if we're talking about subjects, there's a bunch of balls flying in his face. I mean, let's just be real here. That's that's clearly not subtext, I don't think. That's just kind of – the most criminal thing in this whole thing is the fact that this man gave Jesse a beer in a whiskey glass. That is fucking terrible. Worst bartender award goes to that guy right there. You don't drink beer out of a short glass. You get a stein. You get, you know, a mug. You get something. You don't be out here doing a whiskey glass with beer. That's bullshit. Um, if Dustin was on the show, I'm sure he'd back me up. But, look, one thing I don't like is the parents' reaction to Jesse coming home. No one worried that their son was just naked in the middle of the night. Like, I know they tried to blame drugs, but, like, I feel like I would have reacted way differently than this mom did. Like, I don't know, man. He, he'd come home. Brought by the police in a towel. And the mom's like, you know, it's okay if you just go to bed. We'll talk about it later. No, man. I want to know why the fuck you were naked in the middle of the street in the middle of the night in this weather. No, man. Not what we do. Um, I will say, I don't know what age the sister is supposed to be here. But she looks way older than what I like normally imagine those Freddie Jump Rope girls to be. So, like, it's a like I, it's a nitpick. But I'm like, yeah, you, 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 you look more like. You're 11 and not five. like So I don't know exactly what the age is supposed to be for those girls. I will say they have a really cool shot here where it's a panning shot. It goes all the way around the house. Like, I think that's a really cool shot that they got. I can't – like, if you've never seen it and you're listening again, why? But if you've never seen it, go back and watch the shot. I think you'll know what I'm talking about. But I like that this is how one – okay, so last thing. I like that they use the glove the way they use the glove. The glove is almost like a metaphor for for a metamorphosis for Jesse. Wherever the glove is, Freddy's there. It's almost like a little bit of a key into Freddy's universe. That's how they use the glove. I like that, and I think that's a really good point there. And I like that we're showing changes in Jesse the character slowly. It doesn't happen like stupid fast, but I like that we're showing Jesse. Finally, this is starting to wear on him, all this Freddy stuff. And actually, the last thing, a PSA. And this is going out to my man, Grady. Don't fucking talk 
with your goddamn mouth full. That shit is disgusting. I don't care what anybody says. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Lisa's dad is grilling for everyone at the party. Lisa's mom tells dad it's time for bed. He tells Lisa 1230 and the party's over. Jesse goes to the changing room and Lisa asks to please let her in to talk. He says he's going to leave. He's not into this, but she wants to help him. He says he feels like he's losing his mind and afraid to go to sleep or stay awake. She says they'll stay up all night long. Nothing will happen to him. She leans in and they share a kiss. They start to make out and the other kids turn on music and break out the beer and jump in the pool. It's getting steamy with Jesse and Lisa until Freddie's tongue comes out of his mouth. He panics and puts his shoes on. She asks what's wrong, but he storms out and she's very frustrated. Jesse is in Grady's room now and wakes him up. He tells him he's in trouble and he needs to stay here tonight. Jesse says he killed Coach, not him, but something inside him. Grady says he's losing it. Grady says he believes he's had scary dreams. I'm in trouble and I need you to help me. He asks, what do you want me to do? Just watch me and if anything weird starts to happen, wake me up. Don't let me leave. Lisa tells Carrie she feels like she needs to go see him. She leaves the party as Grady flips through the channels. Jesse's asleep on the chair as Grady goes to sleep. Jesse wakes up and yells for Grady. It's starting to happen again. Jesse has razors come out his fingers and his skin splits as we see the sweater underneath. Grady tries to leave the room but can't. He calls for his dad as Jesse falls to the floor. Freddy emerges from Jesse's body. Grady's parents can't get the door open as Freddy walks up to Grady, choking him. He stabs through his body and through the door, stabbing him and slicing him, killing him. He waves goodbye as we and we see Jesse again. He cries seeing Grady's dead body. You son of a bitch, you killed him as he throws the glove into the mirror. The cops try to break the door down and Jesse climbs out the window. Back to the party and Jesse walks in Lisa's house all bloody. He says he killed Grady and Coach. I'm so scared he's inside me. He says Fred Krueger wants to take him again. He owns me. A girl asks for the pool temperature to be turned down as the hot dogs all ignite. The beer cans begin to explode. Lisa reads Jesse a passage from Nancy. We see the locks lock and Lisa's parents' door close. Nancy wasn't crazy. It happened. You got to fight him. Jesse says for Lisa to get out as the doors and windows lock. Lisa tells him to fight fight it as the fish tank explodes and the lights explode over the pool. Freddy stands up and attacks Lisa. She runs away, but the door won't open. Freddy gets her to the ground and bites her leg. The pool begins to boil and she grabs a knife. Jesse's voice says, kill me, Lisa, and Freddy laughs. She stabs him in the shoulder very pathetically as Jesse's voice says, I love you. She drops the knife and he grabs her by the throat. He throws her into the wall and jumps through the doors. The parents' doors open and the kids exit the pool. Freddy jumps out and begins killing the kids one by one. The pool boils and ignites on fire. The kids are trapped and can't escape. They tell Freddy to calm down and relax. You are all my children now, he tells them. Mr. Weber runs out and shoots at Freddy. Freddy walks away through the wooden gate and they all look on in shock. And the next set of scenes are the ending. Brian, what do you think? <laughs> Well, we go from the worst set of scenes to the best here. Uh, but before I get to the amazing pool party scene, let me let me run through some of this. Um, Lisa's dad sporting the grilling apron and the chef's hat. Could you be any more of my idol here? Uh, except for the look, I respect you know I respect you wanting to 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 head up quickly because you know you're going to get you some. But handing the spatula to some loser kid, absolutely not. Uh, that kid isn't going to respect your grill. Plus, why are we grilling at what it seems like 10 o'clock at night here anyway? But I respect the dad game, though. Even the Biff Tannen back to the future two pajamas as he runs out with the la- with the uh, uh, runs out later. And uh, had Lisa not stopped him, he would have fucked Freddie up here. Look, the dad game is strong here with this one. But then Jesse, you know, trying to fuck Lisa while her parents are still awake. Wow, man. Like the dad disrespect there. Oof. 
Um, also going to say he could have used that tone to his advantage, but what do I know? And yeah, it's a little silly that Grady wouldn't be at this party with the rest of them and uh, he'd already be asleep, which again, it's so late that Grady is already asleep or, or you know, is it barbecue o'clock with the grill going with hamburgers? Like, make up your mind here. This Grady bedroom scene, though, special effect wizardry. I love Freddy fucking tearing him apart to come out of him. And, yeah, it makes no fucking sense because if he used him as a portal to get to the real world, then how is he fucking able to turn right back into him? But the effects look fantastic either way. Um, shout out to Grady's parents, too. The dad from Ferris Bueller and the mom who literally stands there giving no fucks about her son being <laughs> murdered, like, at all. Uh but have that be the end of Jesse and just have Lisa take the rest moving forward. Like it would have made the movie better in my opinion. Um, also how ridiculously long did it take to get ready that she's still up there or she's still there at the house whenever Jesse gets there. Um, and this is why I said later their, their relationship feels forced because at least if they'd been together for years, you could see Lisa maybe looking past the obvious schizophrenic bipolar tendencies of Jesse. But it just honestly makes no sense that she immediately believes him when he shows up bloody and admitting to murder, murdering two people at that. Um, and at least until Freddie shows up again, their relationship just doesn't fit the script as all, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and the fakest knife prop I've literally ever seen in a horror movie that I can recall, by the way. And and the last thing, yes, this pool scene is is nonsensical, but it is fucking cool. Like, never again will we get to see a murder rampage with Freddie. And I didn't realize how much I needed a murder rampage with Freddie. Like we get people boiling to death. We get the mob killing its own. We get stabs to the stomach. We get a great throat slash. We get the best line of maybe the entire franchise. You are all my children now. Like this is great. Like we, we should have gotten more real world possession by Freddie in the franchise. I will stand by that. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, first things first. I wish I was friends with Lisa in high school. Her place is sick. What the hell? That That's a badass house with a really cool pool set up. Yeah, man. Especially 1985, man. That was probably the spot right there. And again, I love, I love this. Uh, you know, everything's all quaint and nice. You know, while the parents are still awake, and as soon as they go to bed, they don't even, you know, try to play it off. They get rowdy as hell. I love that. I think you know, cranking it up with the quickness makes me laugh every time. Um, man, you know, it's crazy because it's one of those things. This movie flips a lot of tropes because we have a final guy in Jesse. But it's Lisa that gets a little frustrated and angry about not being able to do the, you know, no pants dance. <laughs> She's the one that's frustrated. And in normal horror movies, we don't get that. We get, you know, the opposite. And I think this is an interesting thing. Look, I agree with you, Brian. Their relationship isn't, like, super believable to me. Um, just off the simple fact that Jesse's clearly losing his mind. And I don't know. I mean, kudos to Lisa for, like, believing him. And, and everything, and that's great. By the way, I'm not going to tell Lisa to call me sometimes because I'm not allowed to anymore, apparently. But, you know, do that if you'd like, Lisa. Anyway, uh, but I'll say this. It, it, I think Lisa may actually be the best the best character in this movie, not named Freddy Krueger. Like, she's a really strong character. I love, yes. you know, her. She's probably the best actor here, too, man. Just her line delivery, the way she kind of tries to play it serious in the serious moments and she's good in the not so serious moments. I think she adds a lot to the movie. Look, Grady making great counter arguments here. Nothing wrong with, you know, if Jesse liked Grady like that, there's nothing wrong with that, but he's never said that. So if I'm Grady, I'm like, why are you here when you could be with Lisa? I would have said the same thing to my boy. If he came in in the middle of the night 
And I agree, Brian. Why isn't Grady at this party in the first place? I guess that would have not had a place for Jesse to go. So, you know, pothole there. But I'll say this. This Grady kill, spoiler, probably the only, like, good kill in the movie to me outside of the boil. Like, somebody boiling a lot. Like, this is like a throwback Nightmare on Elm Street kill. Probably the only one we get in this whole movie to me. And I think it's done really well. The effects look good. Very scary. Very tense scene. And I think Mark Patton does a great job. You know, his screaming, kind of mirroring a final girl scream, I think is fun. Uh, I know, you know, the years following, he kind of got made fun of for it. But I think now we can go back and kind of appreciate the fact that he was able to scream that high of a pitch. I don't think I could do that. So I think it takes a lot of talent. And I thought it was a really good choice, actually. Um, Freddie getting hit with that lamp is always hilarious to me. Uh, I'd laugh every time I'd watch this film. This I, It's a bad knife prop, but she sucks at stabbing people, bro. She she put nothing behind that stab. Uh, Lisa, I love you to death, but you're not doing shit for me right here. And because of Dustin, I can't help but think of Rey Mysterio's theme song when he pops out of this fucking pool. It is the coolest scene. It's probably top four scene in the franchise for me as far as just like memorable things that happen. And him, you know, it's a great gift, GIF that we use on Twitter now. You're all my children now. It's such a cool scene. The way the gloves look, the way Freddy's lit, just, just the fire back there and the how many kills we get. You know, we get Freddy on a rampage, which Brian mentioned we don't get in any other movie. I think this scene really works. Has some lame kills. So when we get the least favorite kills, there'll probably be one of those. But I, I, I thoroughly enjoy this set of scenes because we're finally moving the story along. Well, I felt like the last set of scenes kind of just drug out a little bit. Before I go on, my I was just going to agree with you. I think uh, Lisa Kim Myers is the best actress in the movie. And I actually did kind of buy like how obsessed she is with Jesse. She's kind of a ride or die. It reminded yeah. me a little bit of uh, Megan from Jason Lives. Like she just huh. met Tommy that day, but you know she she went all the way with him, and I I, I appreciated it. Hey man, uh, is she Jackie Kennedy ride or die or not? I mean, that's really that's really what you got to ask me. Sorry. <laughs> No, but I'm a big fan of Kim Myers, and you know I think we've reached out to her to come on the show. Hopefully she does, and it'd be nice to talk to her. It'd be really cool. But here's the ending. Lisa drives to the old factory. She puts a piece of fabric on her bite wound, finally. She goes into the factory, but dogs with, like, baby doll faces snarl at her. She walks past them and heads upwards. We see Freddy's glove as he scrapes it along the guardrail. She burns her hand, and she shrieks in pain as she swats ants off her bite wound, but nothing actually happened. She climbs higher, and a demonic cat eats a mouse. I think that's what happened. Freddy appears and swipes at her. Come to me, Lisa. Jesse's dead, he says. I love you, Jesse, and Freddy freezes. He begins to bleed, and Lisa runs away. Freddy calls for her as, as he says, come back to me. I am not afraid of you, she says. She says she's going to take Jesse back and send Freddy back to hell. Come back, Jesse. I love you as Freddy falls to the ground. Lisa grabs Freddy and kisses his lips. He pushes her away, and the place catches on fire. Freddy begins to yell out Lisa's name as he melts. He becomes engulfed in flames, and we see Jesse there now as the flames go out. He pulls the Freddy skin off of him and as Lisa cries out his name. The two hug, and she cries holding him. Mom wishes Jesse a good day as he gets on the bus and sits with Lisa. They kiss as Carrie laughs, saying it was a great party. Lisa doesn't want to talk about it as the bus drives really fast, and Jesse yells out for the driver to stop. The bus stops and picks up another kid. He apologizes to Lisa and Carrie says it's all over until a Freddy glove bursts through her chest and the bus drives back into the desert. All right, Brian, what'd you think about the ending? 
Uh, the ending was fine. It's whatever. Let's be honest. None of the Freddy movies really, I feel like, know what to do with the third act. Like, especially the final you scene. Put some respect like, on Dream it, Warriors. It, God damn it. They do a great job. Anyway. In the I, end, it's I not cheesy with the wizard. I mean, come asked. on. <laughs> come on. There, I don't think any of the Freddy movies know what to really do with it. I like. I, I can't even remember one that I really like. Love the ending, but anyway. Um, uh, I, I feel like along the same lines, the buildup is always better than the end of these movies. Like we get the old love vanquishes the demon trope here that we've seen a million times all throughout history of books and cinema. But I do think it's kind of dumb to have. Zero reason for Lisa to steal the dangerous dinosaur and drive to the factory. What the fuck is going on with the dogs with the purge masks? No idea. Uh, but the bugs being on her wound with the with her hallucinating, I thought was pretty fantastic and made my skin crawl a little bit. But um, you know, I I needed Jesse to die here though, or something, something from this possession. Like I don't, it just it was it fell flat. Um, I am glad that the end was just a dream though, because I was like. How in the fuck is this dude going to school the next day and not in jail for murder? Like, so I, I think I like to think that Jesse survived only to be charged with multiple felony murders and eventually died in his sleep under mysterious circumstances in prison. That's my that's my headcanon for that one. I really do wish that these big three slasher franchise would have would have had the foresight to to not end on happy notes and, and had yes. some of the some of them be be doom and gloom, yes. you know. But, you know, it was fine for for a Freddy movie ending if that that is. A thing, yeah. You definitely get a mixed bag here. You know, they really shit the bed with these like weird dog mask face things. Like, it, I just God, they look so bad to me. The effects of them, and I, I don't know. Maybe that's on purpose. I don't know, but it doesn't work for me. I think they look pretty bad. And even back in '85, I'm sure they looked bad too. Although somebody can correct me. What I do like about this is that we're back in Freddy's playhouse. You know, in in. The other two big slashers, we go back to Camp Crystal Lake or or Haddonfield, and that kind of feels familiar. It's nostalgic, and we get a lot of kills there, and that's where a lot of these movies end. So to go back to this boiler room-like setting from the first film, I think works really well, and I really like that the ending takes place there. That being said, <laughs> I, I just the, uh, while I'm watching it, and, and I wrote it down because – Again, I do movies that I've seen before a little differently than I do while ones I haven't. But I did write this down. I wanted to make sure. This feels like a movie that should have come after Dream Warriors, if that makes sense. Because it's such a departure. And we get some stuff in this ending where I'm like, what is it? It's almost like weird gross-out stuff. And I don't feel like we got that in the first one. I don't feel like we get a ton of that in the third one. At least it's not played for like being gross-out stuff. So it just feels like Brian just put a fucking... 1986, you know, or, or excuse me, 1886 sheriff hat on, so you have to forgive me. Um, I know what it is, but it still looks it's a funny. Freddy, it's a Freddy hat. What do you mean, 1986? It looks like, I don't know, man. It, it's probably the lighting, you know? It's all about the lighting, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, it was Bridges Brian, that thing's probably a screen-worn Robert England Freddy Krueger from the original. <laughs> Relax. Relax. Is it signed? Is it signed? No, that's definitely the hat that Wes Craven wore as a janitor and scream as Fred. Don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> hey, Robert uh, England's going to be a spooky empire. We can get it signed, brother. There you go. There you go. Again, the, the, you know, this Freddy Krueger rat doesn't do much for me. Um, and it just feels like that kind of silly stuff is in movies that comes after Dream Warriors. And I feel like we're getting it here in the second installment. So just a little bit of a hodgepodge ending 
For me, make no mistake, though, in this ending, Robert England fucking crushes it. Like, he's really, really good as this version of Freddy. He's still, he's still trying to play this serious, scary, dream demon guy that's really fucking scary. And I think he does a great job. Probably my third favorite, Robert England, Freddy. Like, when I think about what I like, I like the first one. I like the third one. And then this one's probably next. Maybe Freddy versus Jason after that. But we just jumped the shark again with this kissing thing. Like, th- this kissing thing and then Jesse sheds Freddy Krueger. And I just don't like it. It doesn't work for me. Uh, and, you know, this, like, melting like it's the fucking Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and, again, it's not the first. It's, it won't be the last time this franchise references the goddamn Wizard of Oz. But this one's a little bit better than that one. But it's not much. It looks cool that Freddy's melting, but it's just really – it's just stupid and out of place and ridiculous to me. It's over the top. You saying this one's barely better than Freddy's dead? Or are you talking about the reference? The reference is, is just oh, the reference. No, dude, Christ. let me just tell you. <laughs> this movie's like fourth in my ranking. It's this one, five, six, you know, four, five, six – or excuse me, four, five, the, the fucking – Remake and then 10 pounds of shit and then Freddy's dead. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's where Freddy's dead is. So no, I was not trying to confuse the, the thing. Look, Lisa's a great woman. I'm glad that, you know, in, in, uh, Jesse's dream world, she's forgiven him and everything's back to normal. But man, there's no way, like you said, A, Jesse's not charged for multiple murders. B, that Lisa doesn't leave his ass. Are you kidding me? I'm, I mean, I understand being right or die, but you know, even Jackie Kennedy had to move on. God damn. So again, I, you know, and you just knew that they, they don't know how to end a, end a movie. You saw the last one where she gets pulled through the door and Freddie's striped sweater comes over the top of the convertible. They just didn't know how to end it. And I'm not, now I, I will say the final glove, you know, the final glove kill p- p- popping up, always funny to me, always forget it's there. So a mixed bag here in the ending where, like you said, Brian, if this, Franchise never figured out how to do a single fucking ending. There would be better films because at least, but four and five, their endings are really fucking terrible. So <laughs> this is better than those, I will say. All right, let's jump into social media comments and questions. Uh, we'll do Twitter first. Andrew Ferguson commented, "I was in elementary school when this came out. Panic would always set in when the bus driver drove past the stop." <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, Sean Irwin commented, it gets lost in between how good one and three are, but it is still pretty good itself. It gets, okay. it gets lost between one and three, all right. <laughs> Take the L's after those two. All right, go dogs. Randy Smith commented, thanks to love, Dark Freddy. Thanks to hate, how Freddy can just appear at the pool party. Not my favorite oh my. in the series, but not the worst. And he also hey. said, P.S., we need more 80s horror. Hey, Nico, well, you know, that's Nico's choice right there. That's the reason we don't do 80s because Nico doesn't like them. But also, <laughs> but also, Randy, Proof. I'm gonna dis- I'm gonna disagree with you and agree with Brian. I actually think him appearing in the real world is fun. Like I actually don't mind because again, when we're talking about the rules of Freddy. What are the rules of Freddy? He's a fucking dream demon. He's got no yeah. like. I know they established and- the lore in the first one, but after that, shit gets crazy. We don't have any rules for Freddy anymore. So I, I mean, I don't think it's a big deal personally. Yeah, and they didn't really establish a whole lot of rules in the first right. one. I mean, just the fact that you can bring him into the real world opens up yeah, so many doors 100%. anyway. And all the rules that we're used to with Freddy like came later in the movies too. So like there is only the first one and then this yeah. whenever they made right. it. So 
you know, they were playing with stuff that I think, like like you said, I think they should have continued. Mm-hmm. Well, I should go over to Facebook now. Clayton J said, curious to see what everyone's favorite and least favorite kills will be. Just just hang on, brother. We'll get there. <laughs> Eric did a little comment. Didn't love it, but glad you guys are doing it. Okay. Michelle Burns a comment. My least favorite, but it's still fun. Damn, you like least this? favorite? Whoa, 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 whoa. You, <laughs> your least favorite? This is not as good as Freddy's Dead? Please comment below. Hey, if we were on YouTube, like, please hit the comment section or comment five. below. <laughs> so uh, please get back to us on that. I want that question answered. Is this movie not better than Freddy's Dead? If not, we need to have a discussion. That's all. Or five. Or five. Yeah, five is pretty bad, too. Sorry. Five, five is very bad. And my mom commented, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is my least favorite as well. So, <laughs> it goes, Mom, we got to have a discussion. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And Jared Summers' last comment on Facebook says, did not care for this one at all with the trash emoji. Hey, I feel you, brother. Right, let's jump over to Instagram now. We just got a few comments. Jake Hambrick commented, honestly, I love this movie. I think this is my third favorite Nightmare movie. Yeah. My favorite part is when he comes out of the dude's chest. I will say that is a cool scene. That is a cool Absolutely. scene. Absolutely. M Stew forty one common underrated classic that's entertaining as hell, minus the weak ending. And as my favorite Freddy portrayal. Where does this portrayal rank for you guys? I say third, right behind one and three. And I would say three, one, and then two. Okay. I'm gonna say, like I said at the beginning, I think it's either tied for third or at fourth. And probably based on the what the, the number ranking that I'm gonna get it, I'll put it at fourth behind one new nightmare, three, and then this. Fair. It would probably be my fifth favorite portrayal, personally. This is because I like Freddy vs. Jason 1, 3, and New Nightmare better. That's just okay. me, though. Okay. Uh, almost forget about week, New Nightmare, so yeah, that's fair. Like, I almost forget that New Nightmare is technically still Freddy Krueger, because it's not really Freddy Krueger, so, okay. Sorry. It's awesome. And <laughs> the la- <laughs> Mike's got the, the brain twisting right now. All right, last comment we got on Instagram is from Optional 13th Ghost, which is a great username, and I appreciate it every time I see it. An interesting yet bizarre direction to take for the sequel to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Certainly not in the conversation my favorite entry in the franchise, but considering how off the rails it went, I'd say Freddy's Revenge is one of the better films. Also, it's it's nice to see Mark Patton finally getting his flowers. Absolutely. I I agree with that. Yeah, he was panned. I mean, again, the whole documentary about it, but he was panned back in 1985, I think unfairly so, for sure. Oh, yeah. All right, let's jump into fun facts now. Brian, you got any? Yeah, I got a few here, so bear with me. Um, first one, Michael J. Fox was considered for the role of Jesse Walsh, but was unable due to his commitments with Back to the Future and Teen Wolf. Going to say I would have rather him do Back to the Future or Teen Wolf. <laughs> Brad Pitt, John Stamos, Christian Slater, all auditioned for the role of Jesse. No, uh, John John Stamos ended up playing a character named Jesse in Full House, of course. Had this film failed, New Line Cinema might not have survived. Uh, The movie hit big enough to finally give the studio some cash flow, and in the following years, New Line Cinema rode the Elm Street train. Like we said, it's the the house that Freddie built. However, all was uncertain back when this film was, uh, was being made. Apparently, Robert Shea, Mike, by the way, we, inter- we interviewed his daughter on dogweather.com. But he apparently micromanaged every aspect of the production, regularly confusing crew members by stepping over the line, offering orders which should have come from the director. Um, that led to an understandably uneasy relationship between Shay and Jack Shoulder. And on top of this, the uh, production was remarkably rushed, slotted for a November 1, 1985 release date when the first film had only been released on November 9th of the previous year. Also, last one, Mark Patton. An openly gay actor has amusingly stated that he sees himself as the first 
male scream queen due to his combination of factors, including the film's homoerotic subtext, like Mike mentioned, and the fact that he was often depicted on screen screaming, quote, like a girl, and because he viewed the character as a closeted gay man. So that's all I have. I think that's probably fair by him. I don't have any fun facts, but just because Dustin's not here, obviously, um, these, you know, the square root of David Arquette is a little too easy this time because, you know, Robert Englund, who plays Freddy Krueger, worked with Wes Craven, the director of the first Nightmare on Elm Street, who was also the director of Scream, which also stars David Arquette as Dewey Riley. Okay. Just wanted to get that out of the way. Shout out to Dustin. Who's not here couldn't make it today. All right. The budget for this movie was $3 million, which is just slightly below the first one, actually. Um, and the gross was $30 million. So for a budget of $3 million to make $30 million, no wonder we kept getting. I mean, this is a, like, you know, like Brian mentioned, this is a cash train that New Line Cinema kept rolling in on. And I think it's pretty fair to say that New Line Cinema is the house that Freddy Krueger built. I, I think there's a lot of evidence to back that up. Because if you watch any documentary, including Never Sleep Again, which I highly recommend if you never have, it's seven hours long, but it's worth Oof. every second. It, yeah, but it's worth it. It's such a great documentary. And right. the, it, this really is the house that Freddie built. New Line Cinema didn't make a damn hit before Nightmare on Elm Street, and the cast started rolling in because of it. So um, this sequel was no different. To be budgeted for $3 million and make $30 million is a pretty – simple way to do math that made a lot more money than they had to spend. Hey, and you mentioned uh, the never sleep again documentary. This might date the show too, but it's free on Tubi right now. There you go. There you go. It's also nice. free. On I just read something on IMDb. I thought was cool. This is the only Freddie film where all the people killed were not in their dreams. I don't know if you said that or not, Brian, but that's really cool. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't even realize that. Huh. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that either. So that, that's, that's pretty damn cool. That says right. Well, that says right there that the gym teacher wasn't killed during a dream. So it's like that whole that whole sequence should have been a dream. It's crazy. I agree. All right, guys, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Uh, I'll kick us off. My favorite kill is Grady, just because, like Mike mentioned, that that's the one kill that to me that feels like a nightmare on Elm Street kill. It's really good. Uh, love Freddie bursting out the body and Grady. He's helpless. He can't do anything. And parents on the other side of the door just gives me a lot of like Glenn vibes from the first one. Least favorite kill, coach getting his ass spanked. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Just I just it just doesn't do it for me. It's and you can throw the bird in there too. I thought the bird blowing up was pretty awful as well. All right, let's jump into like how I really feel about new. I'm not a big fan of this one at all. It's watchable. I'll give it that. It's not like painful to get through or anything. But there's not much I really like about it. I think Jesse, Mark Patton does a fine job. Kim Myers does a fine job as well. But just a lot of stuff just does not work for me. It's just the bird blowing up, seeing being 97 degrees in the damn house and everyone's there acting like it's only like 77. Like 97 is hot as fuck inside of a house. Like, like you're dying. You know what I'm saying? Like you're getting a hotel room. Uh, just, I don't like Freddie's look. I don't like Jesse doing the killing in the outside world. While I do agree with what Mike and Brian said, not a lot of rules were established. It just doesn't work for me personally. Like in the yeah. first one, it was kind of established that Heather, you know, Nancy brought him into the world by holding on to him when she woke up. Now, uh, Jesse is just, I don't know, being manipulated or whatever. Like, I feel like Jesse should have had to pull him into the real world as well. But, hey, they went there a different direction. But like I mentioned earlier, this is Robert England's least favorite, so why the hell should I like it? It's pretty low in the franchise for me. It's still above a few others just because of, honestly, how bad some of the other ones are. So I guess maybe a three and a half. Whew. Man. 
Yeah, so look, I look, my favorite kill was Grady like you, Nico, where it's really the only one that feels like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie kill. It just does. Um, and I got to say, this is probably the least creative group of kills in any Nightmare movie. Like the first one's got really fun kills. Three, four, five, you know, even those really bad ones, at least they have creative kills. Whether they're good or not is almost irrelevant. That's just kind of what Nightmare does when you get to play within Freddy's sandbox. I expect more creative stuff, and I just don't think we got that here. Um, my least favorite is any of the pool stabbings, you know, it's just stabs. Uh, and they're not like cool, fun stabs like Scream has sometimes, just, you know, razor glove stabs. Okay. I have mixed feelings about this movie. It is a decent little horror movie on its own. But when, you know, when the first one comes before it, and then it's followed by three that I just truly love, I believe I gave three a nine and a half. Um, <laughs> it, it just feels out of place. I appreciate it for being a little bit ahead of its time, the way it kind of touched on the subject of homosexuality, being closeted, you know, being a gay teenager. You know, that's all there in the subtext and then the not so subtext, like I've mentioned a couple times already. But sometimes even in a 85 minute movie, I found this movie to be plodding along and feel like it's a little longer than it absolutely has to be. Um, Robert England is great, you know, you know, least there's other good acting, but a lot of it is suspect at best. Like there's just some bad acting in here that kind of takes it down a notch for me. It's definitely not the worst century in the franchise. I don't know where some people are getting that from. No offense to Nico's mom. I'm sure she's a great woman. I've never met her, but for, for her, for her to say it's the worst movie in the franchise to be kind of, we should sit down over some good, like Nico, whatever your mom cooks really well, like just anything she wants to cook. We'll sit down over that. Have it, you know, we'll share a plate and I'll try to convince her otherwise. Because, man, that, that's a tough thing to say. But anyway, this just isn't what I was looking for in a follow-up to I, what I think is a classic. But it's not bad. That's why I gave it a flat six. Okay, guys, let me read uh, Dustin's real quick. Um, he said, uh, by the way, shout out to him. He's, he's not feeling good today. Well, I don't think this movie is perfect by any means, it's fun enough to call it one of my favorites in the franchise. I don't like how most of the rules from the original are ignored, but I can forgive that because the movie keeps me engaged. When we did our original 31 on 31 episode, don't go there.com. I had this one ranked fifth out of the nightmare franchise, but looking back, I'd probably move it up a spot or two. That's not to say I don't love it though. I give it, I give the movie a solid six. Okay. My, my favorite kill was the uh, first throat slash in the pool scene. Loved it. My least favorite kill gym teacher. I thought it was fucking stupid as well. And uh, I don't have a long closing, just super quick. By the way, you, we mentioned the uh, "Don't Go, Don't Don't Sleep Again, Never Sleep Again" um, documentary. Jesse's Lost Journals by Mark Patton. Check those out too. Uh, that's that's a really that's a really cool book. Uh, some behind the scenes from from Mark Patton there. Again, I think the movie is underrated, um, and I'm going to give it a seven point two five. All right, guys, our score gives us a cumulative of five point six eight seven five. And by God, IMDb is at a 5.4, so we're pretty damn close. Look at those fucking geniuses over there. Look at those guys. (laughs) Come on. Like, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, Really thank all of our blood donors. We really appreciate y'all. Camper Level Reoccurring, Clayton J., Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Sellerson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, Brian Samick, Trisha, and Kelsey Miller. Camp Council Reoccurring, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez-Gunn. Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home Pod, Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Jake Hambrick, Clay Moore, Karen, Matt Strickland, and Gail Koontz. 
Really appreciate all of our blood uh, our blood donors. Y'all mean a lot to us. You take a big, big burden off of us. I can't stress that enough. Times are super hard economically right now, so uh, any dollar you contribute makes a big difference. Uh, next week is my pick. Uh, I'm bringing us back to hell this year, 2023. Uh, we really just haven't been doing a lot of like bonus episodes just because it's really hard schedule-wise. So I'm picking Evil Dead Rise. I'm excited to review Let's it. It's going to be fun. I think it's gotten a lot of positive feedback, and I'm excited to review it with uh, with the fellas. Absolutely. Uh, I pray for Brian this week. Um, editing this show is going to be a bitch. And uh, we thank all our fans and listeners for the support. Uh, y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody. Uh-